right. Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, we're running a minute or two late here, but uh, not doing too bad. And uh, where did I put my notes? Good to see everybody here today, and uh, we had a few more people show up than I was expecting, so that's a pleasant surprise. Glad that everybody came today, and uh, appreciate Brother Jim and uh, Brother Keith both trying to work on our parking lot a little bit this week and do as best as we could with it, and uh, it would have been a lot worse today had it not been for that, so... Appreciate those fellas doing a lot of work out there, and uh, I think Dave's still out there helping shovel too, and several other folks. So appreciate so much their help doing that, and uh, good to see everybody here. And uh, we've got a few folks uh, not feeling well today. I know uh, I think Penny Seal mentioned that she's uh, under the weather a little bit today, and Linda Vamer, uh, and both of them uh, not feeling real well. And so uh, pray for them, if you will. And uh, we've uh, had a great week this week, uh, in spite of the snow, and uh, certainly been a great joy. I uh, was out, uh, let's see, what is this, Friday night. I was uh, out running a few errands just before sundown, and I uh, came home and uh, pulled in just as it was dusk. And there was a little white car sitting right in front of our double doors there with a, a, a luggage rack on top. And I thought, I wonder what that is. You know, usually if people are going to park, they park out in the lot there somewhere, but they were up here by the doors. And so I walked over to see who it was, and it was Brother Jeff Porter. He's our missionary to Zimbabwe. And uh, he had stopped by, and uh, I had never, I had not met him before. I had, uh, I had corresponded with him, I think, one other time on email. But um, he had, uh, was still having uh, sent a lot of information back and forth with Brother Randy, uh, I guess because that was the only contact he had. <laughs> uh, I didn't even know he was in the States. Apparently, he'd gotten a hold of Brother Randy on some things, and they were going out to dinner that night, and I felt bad about it because I said, Brother, I didn't even know you were coming, you know. And So we got our contact information squared away so we can stay in touch. In fact, he called this morning just to tell us that uh, uh, he was praying for us today. And uh, I asked him, uh, it was interesting because... Uh, you know, he didn't make any plans. He was just dropping by to see us and um, got a chance to meet him. And he, he's, I said, where are you staying? And he said, well, I don't, don't have any place yet. And I said, well, why don't you let us put you up there at the Comfort Inn. So we got him a hotel room from the church to get him, put him up there. And he was very grateful for that. And uh, he wanted me to make sure that I let the church know that uh, he was grateful for uh, the lodging. And then I got a chance to go to breakfast with him the next morning. Really had a great time of fellowship and um, getting to know him and a little bit about his ministry. And they've been on the field now for uh, several decades, and they started in South Africa and uh, were there for quite a while, and then now are up in Zimbabwe. They've been up there about 10 years or so uh, planting churches and uh, doing a great work, and uh, it was great to hear from him and get a good update on their ministry, and hope next time they come through, he'll be able to, to stop in and have a service with us. I do, and I left them over at the house this morning. I'll go between Sunday school and church and bring them over. Uh, but I also told him about wanting to set up displays here for each of our missionaries, and so he's going to send me some things about their field. We'll do a nice display on their mission field here 
and uh, so you can get to know them. I'd like our folks to get uh, get to know the family. They've got um, they have a, a large family. I think you said 10, ki- 10 kids or eleven kids now, uh, and uh, most of them are here in the states. And uh, but anyway, doing a great work for the Lord, and uh, that was a blessing. And so I, that was just kind of an unexpected blessing. I enjoyed that opportunity getting the fellowship with him, and. Um, then uh, was running some errands last night and uh, thought of Brother Eddie Oates and uh, was concerned about him. And so I called him just to see how he was doing because last time I talked to him, he was still having to use some oxygen. He was still up in St. Uh, Peter's uh, trying to, uh, his kids were uh, taking care of him. And uh, he was in town here in, uh, at Walmart. So I said, Brother, do you feel like supper? So we went out to dinner last night and sat across from a miracle and an answer to prayer because a few weeks ago uh, he was still in the hospital not sure they were even going to he was even going to survive from COVID and uh, but uh, do pray for him I without going into a lot of the personal details there he cared for his his wife and and her mother in her home for a number of years uh, there in DeSoto and when his wife passed away uh, one of the family members there of his wife uh, decided they were going to put uh, the mom in a, a nursing home and sell the house. And so Brother Eddie basically was homeless. And all this happened while he was in the hospital with COVID. They didn't give him hardly any time to get his stuff out. And, and so the church that he's pastoring, uh, they did their best to go over and, and get everything that they thought was his out of the house. But there's a lot of things that got all jumbled up and they're not sure even if they got everything. And uh, he's been struggling a little bit with trying to find a place to stay. He finally got a house here in town that uh, it looks like he's going to be able to uh, lease. Um, and I would like our people to pray and see if maybe there's something we could do to be a help. He's one of the folks that we support monthly as a missionary. He's, he pastors a little church here in town. And um, they're uh, not able to support him uh, full-time or to, to take care of him. And... Uh, but he's in it. He's getting in this house, and he's going to have to get some electric and things uh, switched over to his name. And sometimes there's some expense involved in that. And uh, I know it'd be a blessing if, if there were a few hundred dollars there that he could use to do some of that with. So uh, keep that in prayer. Keep that in mind, and uh, we'll discuss it a little bit later, maybe as a church, see if there's something we could do from our missions budget to help him a little bit uh, with a few hundred dollars to help with some of those things. Uh, in fact, when I when we met last night uh he'll probably be embarrassed for me to say this but uh he had a pair of crocs on didn't even have socks because he couldn't find a lot of his clothes and things are still missing he found one suit he said out of all the stuff they brought and so he's he's just missing a lot of things and it's very very difficult on him so uh pray for him and uh had a great time of fellowship just a sweet fella and uh enjoyed the time again that the lord allowed us to be together last night but keep him in prayer if you will and a lot of things that he's had to go through and of course he's praising the lord for his goodness obviously but uh he's had to go through an awful lot so uh, pray for him if you will all right uh let's take a few other prayer requests or if you have an answer to prayer or a blessing something you'd like to share uh we'll take those yes sir Oh, wow. 
sure. Okay. Amen. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, that, uh, you know, I was talking with somebody a while back, and, uh, you know, when we pray sometimes for the Lord to meet a need, we, we think in terms of how things are in our, in our view. But, you know, God can supply 32,000 as easily as he can supply the 1,000. He really could. And uh, I, I know it's hard for us to grasp that, that thought sometimes, but uh, God is not, God doesn't bite his nails and figure out where am I going to get this money from to help them out. I, if there's something that he's going to do to be a help to them, I'm certain that he'll be able to do that, and, and it won't even won't even hurt him. You know, he, it's not going to cost him anything. And, uh certainly not going to drain him of his resources. And I think sometimes we, we struggle with that because we think in, in human terms that we're limited in our resources, but God is not. And uh, so we will we need to keep that as a matter of prayer, that God will supply that and uh, and, and that that will get, get done. So uh, keep that in prayer as well. All right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. All righty. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I had a chance to talk with her yesterday. You're talking about Florence, Is that right? Yeah. I talked with her yesterday, and um, she is doing she is doing better. Uh, they'll have her there another few days yet, I think, or another day or so yet. <coughs> but uh, Bryce was up there with her, and she sounded in good spirits. Also pray for Brother Everett, who's on the same floor with her. I'm not able to get in touch with him, and uh, so pray that God will bless there. He's got COVID, and uh, they've got him in the hospital. And in fact, he was there, I guess, a few days before I even knew he was there. And so, uh, continue to pray for him too. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. Okay, all right. Okay. Okay, we'll pray for that. So Michael and Joshua, yes, sir? Okay. Okay, all right. Sure. Okay. All right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> we'll praise the Lord for that. <laughs> oh, good. Amen. Well, that's a good blessing. And answer prayer. Absolutely. So, yes, ma'am. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Okay. Okay, so pray for this one. And uh, thank the Lord that Miss Linda wasn't hurt worse than she was. She became a snow person this year, this week. She uh, took a fall and landed face first in eight inches of snow. So thankfully the snow was there to break the fall. But uh, that could have been a lot more serious. And I know it's we laugh in hindsight because it was a funny incident looking back on it, but it could have been serious. And so praise the Lord for his protection there. So, yes, ma'am. So, and what's what's his first name? Weston. Okay, Weston. So, just three months old, and uh, so pray for him if you will. I met. Yes, absolutely. They all are. Absolutely. So, a good friend of mine had a, a real answer to prayer here recently, and uh, he'd been uh, in uh, going to college to try to get involved in ministry some way, and uh, he texted me this week and said that he was offered a position. And uh, praise the Lord for that answer to prayer. Uh, something he's been praying about for, he and his wife have been praying about for about a year and a half now. And so uh, a wonderful answer to prayer there. And we got to rejoice together yesterday a little bit talking about it. And uh, sounds like God's doing some great things in his life. So thank the Lord for that answer to prayer. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. Yes. Continue to pray for Hannah. Uh, out in Texas, and uh, that she'll get some resolution there. Okay, anything else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be here, and especially on a day like this where the weather's been kind of uh, difficult this week, and we thank you for those that have uh, put their, their backs and hands to the work of uh, trying to make it safer, and uh, that have been such a help this week in this area. And we pray that you would uh, bless the day. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we take your word and look into it, guide our hearts and our thoughts, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will do his work. And Father, may we rejoice in it. May we leave here uh, rejoicing and uh, thankful for the time that we've been able to spend together around your word and around uh, the fellowship of your people. And uh, Lord, that uh, our hearts will be drawn closer to you. I pray that as we leave here, we will love you more than we did when we came in that we will see more of who you are, that we'll learn more of you, that we'll love you more uh, because of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, if you will, pray uh, Wednesday night if you tuned in. Uh, I, had a, I had a real struggle the first two or three minutes there of the service, and I was out with Brother Eddie uh, Oates last night. We were talking a little bit about that. And there are times still occasionally, not very often, but occasionally where my brain just gets jumbled uh, and um, 
And I think it's still residual from COVID. I think it's some things that happened there. And I was talking with him a little bit about that last night. And he's, he uh, was like, brother, he said, I, I, I understand. He said, I've, I've had that same thing. So uh, fortunately, he said he had not had it while preaching, though. <laughs> but, but do be in prayer. Uh, there are still some days that, uh, that I have some things, and I'm, I'm assuming they are still residual from COVID. They're not very often, but occasionally. And uh, there are things that are very hard on me, not just because I, uh, I, I'm confused during that time or my brain just doesn't go into gear like it should during that time, but it's frustrating to me, especially when it happens while I'm preaching. And uh, so uh, if you will, keep that as a matter of prayer that the Lord will continue to help that to get better. It, it, fortunately, it doesn't happen uh, every service like it was there uh, originally when I first was recovering, but there are still moments, and so if you will, keep that in prayer. I'd, don't often ask for people to pray for me on those things, but I've had a few issues here in the last couple months where it's been that way again, and so I, I appreciate that in that area. All right, let's take our Bibles, and uh, we're going to uh, finish just a few comments about the book of Exodus, and then we'll move into Leviticus today. <clears throat> we spent a little bit of time last week dealing with um, the, uh, the seven uh, feasts that God gives. He begins to give them in the book of Exodus, he expounds on them a little bit further in the book of Leviticus. And Lord willing, if unless God changes some things between now and next Sunday, uh, Lord willing, next Sunday we will take a, a more in-depth look at each of the uh, feasts that God gives to the nation of Israel. Uh, we gave a very high-level view of them last week and how each of them picture uh, something regarding the ministry of Christ. And uh, we talked about those seven um, Feast being the Passover feast, which was uh, significant of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We uh, spoke of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and that was significant of the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the First Fruits, or the Feast of First Fruits, uh, which spoke of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. These were all done in the spring of the year. In the summer of the year, uh, they have the Feast of Pentecost. And uh, this speaks of the coming of the Holy Spirit and the time that God deals with basically the church throughout uh, the time of history from the time of Christ till present day. <coughs> there are three feasts that significantly uh, picture what Christ is going to do in the future, uh, namely the Feast of Trumpets, uh, which is representative of the time of the rapture and the time that Christ is going to come back and take those that are... Uh, Christians, those that have trusted Christ as their Savior out of here, he's going to call them out. The Feast of the Day of Atonement, and this is the time of uh, Israel's sins uh, being forgotten and the restoration of Israel taking place. And then the Tabernacle, Feast of Tabernacle, which is uh, the time of fellowship with Christ and signifies uh, the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we spoke of these uh, seven feasts. We're going to look a little more in depth at them, uh, Lord willing, next week and uh, probably spend an entire Sunday school lesson on just those uh, seven feasts. Um, the breakdown of Exodus, just to give you a real quick um, kind of a, a rough outline, if you will, a very high-level outline. Um, in chapter number one, you see the need for redemption of the nation of Israel, the need for God's people to be redeemed. In chapter 2 through chapter 4, you see the preparation uh, of, uh, of the leaders of redemption. 
Uh, in chapter number 5 through 15, you see the redemption of Israel itself taking place. Um, in verse number 15 through, or chapters 15 through 18, uh, you'll find the preservation of Israel as God uh, preserves them uh, through their wilderness wanderings. And then uh, in chapter 19 through chapter number 31, he uh, uh, goes back over the covenants that he had made with Abraham and kind of reveals that, renews it, expounds on it a little bit further with Israel. In chapter 20, primarily, he deals with some commandments that he uh, gives to them. In chapter 21 and 22, uh, it shows what his judgments will be for the breaking of those commandments. In chapter 24 to 27, you'll find that there are instructions given for the tabernacle. In chapters 28 to 31, you'll find that he gives some rules <coughs> regarding how they're to conduct themselves in the tabernacle and the, the priestly order and how the process of tabernacle was to be uh, done. In chapter 32 through 40, <coughs> you'll find that Israel uh, kind of rebels against that. They do not follow what Christ, uh, what God has given them regarding the tabernacle. And uh, Moses intercedes for them, uh, which is a wonderful picture of Christ, our intercessor. And uh, God comes back and renews that covenant with Israel, and Israel recommits themselves to follow the covenant. In chapter 35 through 40, uh, Israel begins to obey and to build the tabernacle. And in chapter number 40, we find that God, uh, the, the tabernacle is completed, and God comes and fills the tabernacle. And so just a rough breakdown, and uh, I will try to have updated notes on that type for you for next Sunday so that you'll have all of that information that was not on your original set of notes that we gave you. So I'll do a supplement to those notes that you can have those as well in that breakdown. That brings us to the book of Leviticus. And if you will, turn to Leviticus chapter number 19 for a few moments. Leviticus chapter number 19. And uh, the book of Leviticus is uh, dealing with God giving some guidance and some guidelines, some laws, some commandments... Uh, instructions to the children of Israel, and he, he's very, very granular, it seems to be uh, to me, in uh, how specific he gets. He gets very, very, uh, uh, very intricate in giving them instructions and, and commandments and things to live by, and uh, primarily he deals with three areas in the, the nation of Israel with regards to these guidelines. It's, uh, number one, in the area of their worship to God, how they are to go about worshiping God. And by the way, uh, we live in a day where people say that um, our methods don't matter. It's the heart that matters. But the truth is, God is very specific to the nation of Israel in the area of worship and how they are to worship Him. Methods do matter. Uh, how we go about doing things does matter. It's not just a matter of having a heart for God. We need to do things the right way. Um, I, I often am reminded of this, and I've had people say, well, you know, God's not so much concerned about how we do it as much as that we do it. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I see that in Scripture. I find God being very, very specific about some things, especially when it comes to the area of worship and uh, uh, reverence to Him. Uh, I think often of Uzzah, who uh, was the fellow that, when David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back and he did not do it the way God said, the Levites should have been carrying the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders uh, the way that God had instructed them to do. 
they were instead, they built a new cart and they were trying to bring it uh, on a cart uh, down the road and the, the road was uneven. And if you'll remember the story, it jostled the cart. And Uzzah, who was concerned about the Ark of the Covenant, I firmly believe this. I don't think he did this in rebellion to God. I think he was certainly sincere. I think he was well-intentioned. I really think that he had a heart to protect the Ark of the Covenant. And he reaches out and he touches it, and God did what? He struck him dead. Not because he had a rebellious heart, but because he did not follow the methods that God wanted him to do. Now, I'm thankful we live in a day where God doesn't strike us dead when we don't follow the methods that he's given us in Scripture, or we would all probably not be here today. But he gives us sometimes these illustrations in the Old Testament to show us how serious he is about these things so that we understand the, the soberness behind this, the, the idea, the seriousness that he has in not just that we worship him, but how we worship him. And so they, he deals with this uh, in the book of Leviticus. He teaches them uh, how to worship. Uh, he teaches them in the area of service. He's very, very specific how they're to serve him. And he teaches them in the area of obedience. And so all of these instructions that he gives in the book of Leviticus are, are dealing with those three areas of the nation of Israel. And by the way, we can take the Bible as a whole and apply those to those three areas in our lives. And we could say that this Bible deals with Christians, once we're saved, once we've trusted Christ as our Savior, it deals with us in those three areas. It tells us how we're to worship. It tells us how we're to serve. And it tells us how we're to obey. And uh, the, the Bible is very, very profitable to us when we look at it and we come to its pages with those thoughts in mind. Lord, how is this going to help me worship you better? How is this going to help me serve you better? Uh, is it going to instruct me in the area of obedience? Um, and so Leviticus is kind of a... Uh, a catch-all book that deals with these things. <clears throat> it's the guideline that uh, God has given to Israel after he redeems them. He's in the process of establishing a holy nation, um, and uh, he starts to set up a, uh, a system of priests, uh, a system of temple and tabernacle worship, and a system of law that they are to be governed by. And all of these are based... Listen carefully to this because we're in need today for our people to understand this. All of these were based on the moral character of a holy God. Their laws were based on that. Their worship was based on that. Everything that the nation of Israel did was based on the moral character of God. And we're living in a day where we, we should have, and we were based on this when we founded this country, but we should have a return of basing our laws on not what society thinks is right or wrong, but on the moral character of a God who is holy. And our, our laws need to be based on that. Our lawmakers need to understand this. They need to come back to this idea of, of living in a moral sense, not based on what our morals are, but what the morals of God are. And so as you go through the book of Leviticus, you're going to see a lot of very strong, very pointed Things. Some of them were applicable in the Old Testament. They no longer apply in the New Testament. For instance, I still I eat bacon. I'm sorry, I do. I eat a lot of it. They weren't allowed to do that in the Old Testament. And there were some reasons for that. Um, but I will say this. What the book of Leviticus does for us today is it does show us the heart of God in the area of these, uh, of these things. That his moral law 
is, is, is to be preeminent in our life. Our character is to be based on his moral standard, not the moral standard of society. Uh, our, our integrity, our, uh, the, the way that we conduct ourselves, uh, even our, our interactions and our relationships with people ought to be based on the, the standards of a moral and a holy God, not on what's acceptable in society. And a lot of the problems that we face today, even in our Christian realms, in our churches, is because we, we have neglected that. We've become egocentric, self-centered uh, in the way of, of deciding what's right and what's wrong. We've allowed our morals or the morals of society to dictate to us what's right and wrong. And we, we go around and we are prideful and we pat ourselves on the back because our moral standards oftentimes are higher than the world's. But that doesn't mean that they're in line with God's moral standards. And so we've got to, as God's people, we've got to come back to the Bible. We've got to say, okay, are my moral standards, is my character, is my integrity, is my uh, relationship with other people, the way I interact with people in this world, am I doing that based on what the Bible is and what the heart of God is in these issues? Uh, I, I was teaching some young people and probably a little over 25 years ago uh, regarding this, this issue, and I, I made the statement to him. I said, we should not live our lives. And understand, I was dealing with teenagers who were still under the authority of mom and dad. And I said, we should not live our lives based on what we're allowed to do. We need to base our lives and live our lives based on the principles and the, the, the dictates of this book. Because I had some young people whose parents would allow them to do things contrary to Scripture, and they thought that because they were allowed to do it, that was the, that was the rule to determine what was right or wrong. If they were allowed to do it, then that must obviously be right. If they weren't allowed to do it, that must obviously be wrong. And that is never our standard. Our standard ought always to be the moral character of God. And so, again, God is doing this with the nation of Israel. Israel is just now being established as a holy nation. Even though he's promised to make them a nation, they really uh, officially become a nation in the book of Exodus. Uh, they, they begin a whole new calendar uh, uh, where they measure events in the life of the nation of Israel based on the time that they left Egypt or the Passover. That was kind of the starting the stopwatch on a new calendar for the nation of Israel, if you will. And so if you wanted to look at a, a point in time, a point in history where you can say, okay, there's where Israel became uh, a recognized official nation called out and separated as a nation, you could probably point to the Passover because oftentimes when the Jews are relating to events in their history, they measure it from the time they left Egypt, uh, the time of the Passover. And so that kind of began a new calendar, a new system of time for them as a nation. Uh, and so we find that that takes place. The author is Moses. Of course, we've mentioned this already in the Genesis and Exodus that all five books of the first five books, what we know as the Pentateuch, uh, the first five books of the Bible, known as the books of the law, uh, were written by Moses. There's plenty of external evidences we've given you in the past for that. There are plenty of internal evidences in Scripture where it refer refers to the fact that Moses was the... Uh, we, we say the word author. Uh, we, we more uh, appropriately should probably say pen these letters because God is the author ultimately. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the one that, that, that led these men to write these things. And he was the human instrument. He was the one that penned these words as the Holy Spirit gave them to him. But there are numerous uh, ancient texts that 
will date these works to around the 1400s BC, around the time of, of Moses. Um, and uh, they certainly fit the timing and the moral uh, states that were in existence at the time. There's plenty of external evidences. Of course, uh, in the book of Leviticus, Leviticus itself, there's over 56 times in this one book alone that uses the phrase along the lines of God gave or God imparted to Moses. And then it goes on to say what he was imparting to him. So again, we find that 56 times in this book alone, uh, God is speaking directly to Moses. So everything that we find in the book of Leviticus, even though Moses is the one that penned it, he's not just giving his opinion, he's giving what God gave him. And uh, by the way, there's a lesson to be learned from that. Not that we're writing new scripture today. But we need to make sure that when we, when we teach something to someone else or we tell somebody about things of the Lord, that we use the Bible and say, this is what the Bible says. Uh, I had a friend of mine send me a, a small video clip this past week of a preacher that was preaching, and boy, he was getting after it. I mean, he was getting after it. He was one of these leather lung preachers that's like, you know, spitting and spewing and red in the face and veins popping out on his head. And he was going on and on about a particular thing. And uh, he, he was dealing with a particular standard. And he made some statements about the standard. And they were, they were things that are really good to, to live our life by, but they weren't Bible. They, they weren't bad things. He wasn't telling them to do anything bad. He's telling them to do things that were very, very good, but they weren't in the Bible. And I told him, we were talking about that, and we said, you know, we've got to be careful that we don't take the Bible and make it say something that it doesn't say. Uh, was it good preaching? Absolutely. I, I, I agreed with his principle of what he was teaching. But he didn't have Bible or Scripture to back it up with. He, he tried to pull in some Scripture, but that's not what the Scripture said about it. And, uh, and it was one of those things that you just... He, he got carried away in the preaching. He got overly excited, and he said some things that were beyond what Scripture said. And so we've got to be careful of this, that we... We don't put our, our beliefs, our thoughts, our minds on this, but we let God's Word tell us what these things are to be. And so uh, Moses, uh, 56 different times, has God tell him, this is what I want you to write. This is what I want to give to the nation of Israel. Moses, don't go off and do it on your own. There are times people say, well, Moses just wrote that. If it's in Scripture, God gave it to Moses to write. And it's therefore inspired by God. We've got to be careful that we don't uh, just attribute the things in Leviticus to, oh, Moses just wrote that. These are things that God gave him to write. Um, the time of Leviticus, <coughs> the uh, almost to the day, well, I think if you look at the calendar, probably to the day, uh, one year exactly from the time of the Passover and them leaving uh, Egypt, we find them completing the tabernacle. Now, they've been given some instructions. It took them a whole year to complete the tabernacle, one full year. Levit and that, that was where we ended in the book of Exodus, chapter 40. They finally complete the tabernacle. God comes and uh, fills the temple with his glory, or the tabernacle with his glory. And that's where Exodus ends. So Leviticus picks up there, right at the end of the first year of being from Egypt. It takes place at the foot of Mount Sinai, and the entire 27 chapters of Leviticus is, is done in one month at the base of Mount Sinai. Um, 
When we get to Numbers chapter 1, it begins with the second month of the second year. Uh, so this, this whole book is going to take place or transpire in about a 30-day period or so at the foot of Mount Sinai. They're not traveling during this time. They're, they're, they're stationed in a camp. And God now brings them out of Egypt. I was reading one fellow as I was studying some of these notes this week uh, and kind of going back over some of them. Uh, he made a statement, and I've heard others say this before, and I thought that's, there's a lot of truth to that, that uh, it only took God uh, one day to bring them out of Egypt. But it took him 40 years to get Egypt out of them. And it took, uh, for 40 years, the nation of Israel had to wander in order to learn that God was the one that he, they needed to follow uh, without any question, without any uh, hesitation, that they needed to have absolute faith in him. And so he brings them out. They build the tabernacle so that he can uh, have a presence with them. They can have their worship. They can do their service to God. And they can be obedient to God And in those three areas. That takes place in over a year's period of time. And then when that's all done, he says, okay, now here, let me give you some instructions now. From this point forward, here's how you're to live. And so he takes an entire month uh, there at the foot of Mount Sinai to do this. So it's based at the foot of Mount Sinai. takes place for about a month, the first month of the second year after they've left uh, from Egypt. There are several times... <clears throat> that Christ is pictured in the book of Leviticus. And uh, these are done uh, primarily through some of the um, some of the processes that God gives them. For instance, uh, we've talked a little bit about the seven feasts that he began to describe in the book of Exodus. He goes thoroughly through them in the book of Leviticus. He also has um, five offerings that he tells them to, to give in the book of Leviticus. And each of these are a picture of Christ in some form, some uh, part of what his, his life is all about. So I'm going to give you these five offerings. Again, I'll have these notes for you next week copied off. So if you want to write them down, that's fine. But if you miss them, uh, I'll give them to you in note format next week. But there's five offerings that are given in the book of Leviticus. The first one is the burnt offering. The burnt offering. And uh, we find this in um, uh, picturing that Christ is the total offering and he gives himself in submission to his Father's will. <clears throat> the second offering is the meat offering. The meat offering. And this is a picture of Christ's sinless service. His sinless service. And then the third offering that they are to give is called a peace offering. I love this one. And I love to teach on this one, but it pictures the fellowship that those that put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ can now have with God because of the cross, because of what Christ did on Calvary. And the peace offering is allowing an unholy man to be reconciled to a holy God and to be at peace with God. And aren't we glad of that today, that God allows us to be at peace with Him? And verse, uh, uh, the fourth offering that is given here is the sin offering and pictures Christ as the bearer of our sins. The Bible tells us that when he went on the cross, that he took his sins upon us. He was made sin, who knew no sin. And that he was the bearer of our sins. And then the fifth one is the trespass offering. And this is where Christ is the payment for the consequences of sin. He's the payment for the consequences of our sin, the trespass offering. And a wonderful thing. He's also pictured here, not only in the five offerings, he's pictured as the high priest. Uh, the high priest is a wonderful picture of Christ. In fact, we find in the book of Hebrews that it speaks of him. 
being our high priest, uh, that he fills that role. Uh, the seven feasts that we've talked about, are each of those he's pictured in, and we've already told you how he's pictured through each of those. That brings us to Leviticus 19, which hopefully you're tuned there, and we're now ready to read our passage of Scripture right at the end of Sunday school. You ready? <laughs> Here we go. Leviticus chapter 19. Look with me in verse number 2. Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be what? Holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. This is the key verse, if you will, for the entire book of Leviticus. It is all about how the nation of Israel is to be a holy nation separated to God for no other reason than they are His people and He is holy. By the way, we now name the name of Christ. Now that we're saved, we've trusted Christ as our Savior. That same challenge holds true to you and I. Because we belong to Him and He is holy, we need to be holy in all manner of our conversation, the Bible says, in all manner of our living. Uh, every area, every aspect of our life. There needs to be a practice of holiness. And we live in a day where we get comfortable uh, with um, uh, compromising, let's use that word, and justifying our, our living uh, because of the condition the world is in. And we need to get back to this thing of being holy and finding out what God's thoughts are on these things. And so... Uh, very important that we understand that. Uh, <clears throat> the key verse is uh, Leviticus 19.2. The key word that you'll find throughout Leviticus is holiness. The whole book centers around the holiness of God and the way for unholy people to approach Him and have fellowship with Him. I'm going to leave you with these two things. We've got uh, about 12 minutes till the hour. There's two main areas that he deals with in the book of Leviticus regarding how to approach God and how to fellowship with God. They, by the way, uh, they're two different things, and so I want us to understand this. In order for us to approach God, there has to be a sacrifice. You cannot reconcile an unholy man with a holy God without there being something between to pay for that. And so there has to be an atonement. There has to be a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they used lambs and goats and uh, different uh, types of sacrifices. They had a lamb of atonement that was to be without spot and without blemish. It wasn't the Lamb itself that was bringing the atonement, but it was the picture of the Lamb of God who would come one day in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ and would be the once and for all sinless, spotless Lamb that would die on behalf of us for our sin. And that allows us to approach God. Now, according to Hebrews, the Bible says we can now come boldly to the throne of grace. We can now come to Him. And, uh, fell, and, and have that uh, ability to approach Him. In order for us to have fellowship with God, not only does there have to be a sacrifice, but there has to be obedience. Fellowship with God, and you'll find this throughout Scripture, fellowship with God is always broken when obedience does not take place. When we begin to disobey God, or we go contrary to His, His will, or contrary to His word, the fellowship is broken. Now, that does not mean that the... The redemption is forsaken, that we've lost that. That came with the blood sacrifice. That's dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. What is dependent upon us is our obedience in order for us to fellowship with God. And so the first half of the book of Leviticus, all the way from uh, chapter 1 through chapter 17, God deals with uh, the sacrifices and the approaching of God to be able to have uh, reconciliation between 
an unholy people and a holy God. From chapter number 18 through chapter number 27, and this is just a real quick two-division uh, outline, if you will, of the, cha- of, the, of the book. From chapter 18 through chapter 27, you'll find it deals primarily with the obedience of the children of Israel for the purpose of fellowshipping with their God. And so God deals with those two issues, how to approach him and how to fellowship with him. And by the way, those are the same two issues that man faced today. How do we approach God? We have to first come through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to trust him as our Savior or we cannot approach God. In order for us to fellowship with him, we must be obedient or we cannot have fellowship with him. And so the same two things hold. So there's a lot of things that we can learn from Old Testament. And a lot of people say, well, Old Testament, that was law, that we're not under law anymore. And we're not. We're under grace. But there are so many things to learn from the Old Testament that apply to us today and are a great help and a great illustration to us. So I hope that will be a help to us. And we'll deal with a few more things next week before we move on to uh, the book of Numbers. And uh, Lord willing, we'll get into some of these feasts and maybe even a few of the offerings, okay? Let's pray we'll be dismissed. Father, we're so thankful and grateful for the privilege to meet, to have your word. Lord, how much of a joy it is to us to be able to study its pages, to hold it in our hands, to have it in our language, and to believe that every word of it is true, that every word of it is preserved without error for us. And, Lord, it allows us to put great faith in what we read. It allows us to put our absolute trust in the things that we read and understand from its pages without having to question it, without having to wonder, is this right or is this wrong? Lord, we have absolute truth in our hands. And so we rejoice in that today. We're thankful for what you've taught us and shown us from the pages of this book. Lord, may we learn as the early uh, nation of Israel, as just a fledgling nation, learned that we need to be holy, that we need to follow the example of our great God and our great Savior. May we honor you, glorify you in all that we do today. Bless the services to follow, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.